You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from Real Life on the Palouse, reaching the world for Jesus, one person at a time. So thanks for joining us and being part of our online family. And thank you, uh, those of you who have come here today to be here in person uh, as we celebrate. What a day, right? What a day. We're here to celebrate. It's, it's Easter. It's a day where you get invited to come to church. It's a day where you feel like, man, I wanna, I'm supposed to come to church on this day. And what does God have for us today? And I'm pretty excited about what God has uh, for us today, what he had for me as I was preparing this message this week. Uh, so let's start off with learning something right away. When you say hallelujah, say hallelujah. hallelujah. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. Like, give me some Southern, like, Baptist hallelujah. 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 All right, that means God be praised. God be praised. And when you're singing songs and you're understanding that, that like they're saying hallelujah, they're saying praise God, praise God. And what would people be praising God for? Why are we here today? He's risen. That's right. What's uh, if you're new here today, you're like, okay, these people are pretty jazzed up. They're pretty excited. Did we just score a touchdown? Like what happened? Like, why are we so excited about today? Where all these folks that, you know, that there's 2 billion of us, roughly Christians, 2 billion. That's like five, six times the population of the United States that are all geeked out today and celebrating something that's amazing that happened 2,000 years ago that actually means something to them. And so there's a couple questions that need to be answered today. Why is it? If I'm new here, I'm like, what is this idea of the resurrection of a person? What do you mean resurrection? What does that mean? Like, what happened to them? And we're going to talk about that today. And hey, by the way, why do you even care about it? So what, dude? What does it mean to you? How has it changed your life? So I hope to answer those questions today. People celebrate things that they care about. Things that are important to them. Like birthdays, graduation, anniversaries. We also celebrate victories over addictions and hurts and and things that, that, that have gone on in our life for a long time that for some reason we have freedom over them now. And those are super awesome. We celebrate movies. We love to hear the real truish stories of movies and they're like, yes, Rudy, I'm going to play for Notre Dame. And you come out of there and you see the underdog and one of my son's favorite movies, Unbroken, where this guy goes through these trials and trials and trials and, and he survives. And these are great stories. Some of them are true. But the story we're going to talk about today is true. If you hold it to the same measure that you hold the fact that George Washington lived, you would hold to the same measure that Jesus Christ existed. And if you held that to the same measure of how we look at history, you would be like, he rose. Like he wasn't there. And then you'd have all these things going through your mind about like, well, what happened to him? Because obviously that's impossible for somebody to die and then rise again. Or is it? Is it impossible? And those are things we'd have to wrestle with. One of the things that I was praying for as I was preparing this message, I'm like, God, what do you want your people to know? What do you want people to know uh, for this Easter message? One of my top four for sure, because um, I've done four. Um, so what do you want people to know now at this time and what's going on in our world and all those things? And what do you want? And here's the overwhelming thing that just kept coming back. God wants you to know that he sees you. It doesn't just see some guy on a stage under some lights, big, small churches, any of those things. It's not, the stage means nothing. He sees the person in the very back row. And he also wants you to know that he hears your cries. 
He knows what's going on in the depths of your heart. The things that are tearing you apart, the things that, that hurt that you don't want anybody else to know. That he sees you and that he hears you. That you are not alone. I noticed this about a gentleman a couple weeks ago as I was, uh, was walking out I was, uh, after, after a message and I was shaking hands and he's an awesome leader in our church. I think he's serving right now. He's an awesome leader in our church. And his story was amazing. He gave a story on a Thursday night. He shared what we call a testimony. He shared what God had been doing in his life and his story is heartbreaking, the front side of it. What has happened in his life? I'm like, man, I don't know if I would make it. And I remember as I got to know him and we were in a life group together and he helped me with different things at my, at my house and my house had flooded one time and he was there. And I just remember this thing that felt like it was on his soul that was like a thousand pound weight. Even though he knew Jesus and was aware of this Jesus, there was like this, just this thing that was just holding him. And it manifested in his face where there was just this like angst in his face. And there was something so heavy in his life. And he was walking out three weeks ago. And I said, I'm like, hey, brother, how you doing? And it was a different man. It was a different man. His spirit, it was like his smile. I was like, whatever you have, whatever is right here and right here, I want that again. That's what I thought to myself. I want that again. What does he have? When he's walking and he's not carrying these thousands of pounds of weight on him. And like his situation isn't totally okay. But how he views his situation is much different. And it was so powerful that it reminded me of a piece of my story. It triggered a memory for me. I remember in 1994 being a new follower of Jesus. So I didn't grow up in a church. Um, That just wasn't my thing. We didn't go to church on Easter Sunday. We did not. We went to my grandma's house, we hunted eggs and had ham and stuff, but we didn't go to church. And so in 1994, when I was uh, 18 years old, I got a chance to meet this Jesus guy. And I had this feeling that came over me that I couldn't explain very well, but I, for some reason, knew that things were going to be okay. There was a peace and a hope that fell upon me as an 18-year-old guy who had said like uh, what happened is I believed in this resurrection story and I was and things started to change in my life now my situation stunk I was broke like if broke no I wasn't even broke if broke was like here I was here I was like $10,000 from broke if I could have got to broke that would have been a great victory I was a telemarketer making $5.50 an hour yeah, telemarketer, I know you guys want to throw stuff at me. I know. I had a two, 1984 uh, Toyota pickup truck that had 206,000 miles on it and a couple nice rust spots in the back. My girlfriend was pregnant. I was scared. But for some reason, even though my circumstances hadn't changed, I thought things were going to be okay. And how I viewed my future had changed. I had this newfound thing called hope and joy because I realized that Jesus saw me. 
I counted. And he heard me. I cry. I didn't even know I was crying, but I was crying. And he heard the cry deep in my heart. And I was like, come here. Come here, Josh. Come and follow me. And I will make you a fisher of men. I was so far away from being a fisher of men. I couldn't find my own self with two hands. How am I going to help somebody else know about Jesus? But I'll start on the journey. I believe you. I was dumb enough to believe him. And that's our definition of a disciple at this church is come and follow me and I will make you, I will transform you. And all the mess that I was sitting in into a fisher of men. And he's in the process of always transforming us. Because he sees you and he hears you. He sees me and he hears me. And I'm still in the process of being transformed. I still blow it. Anybody, like a lot of times new folks will come to church on Easter like, if I walk through those doors, it's going to fall down. Don't worry, I was here earlier and it didn't fall down. Like, it's still okay. Like, this is a place for the broken and the hurting folks. I love this saying on one of my friend's churches that says, it's okay to not be okay here. This isn't where the perfect people go that have all the perfect clothes and have all the perfect life and haven't made any mistakes because none of those people are in here, I don't think, unless Jesus came in here today and is sitting here. So this is a place for people like you and I. And this church exists to reach the world for Jesus one person at a time. We want you to know and experience what we experienced as God has become the Lord of our life. So today I want you to know that Jesus sees you and he hears you. But I think the real question is, for all of us, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, is are you seeing him? And are you hearing him in your life? And how's the molding going? How's the transformation? How moldable are you? So let's dive into this incredible true story of Jesus and his resurrection. Now, I want to quickly bring you up to date. So this will be in the New Testament of your Bible, which is the backer half of it. And it's in the Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There's these Gospels that are telling these stories. They're history. And they're talking about this history of what happened, these different accounts, but they somehow all agree, which is great. And they're talking about this history. So Jesus comes on the scene about 2,000-ish years ago. And um, we celebrate Christmas for that. And we're so excited that he came on the scene because the people were looking for a savior. They were under oppression from different people over and over and over again because they weren't obeying God. And they were under this oppression and they were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for this deliverer that they had read about and heard about and they're looking for him. And so Jesus comes on the scene. He starts doing his ministry around age 30-ish. Stuff is most of it that we'll see in these gospels and he's healing people. Like they, there's this account where this person touched his cloak and, and he knew, he, he, he felt that and they were healed. And they had, been, they had had a problem for years and years and years. So he goes around, he's healing people. He's changing water into wine. He's uh, feeding thousands of people with uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. He's doing all of these incredible things and these disciples are following him. And now that brings us up to this point where the people, the religious elite, the pastors, the, the smart people in the church world are nervous about this guy because he starts saying something. And he says that he is the son of God. And they get angry about that. 
And there's this festival that's happening, and they can release one of two prisoners. They can release Jesus, who has done nothing wrong, and the governor was like, or the pro-council, uh, Pontius Pilate was like, hey, I don't want any part of this. My wife warned me. We should have nothing to do with this. You know, this guy's a good guy. He didn't do anything wrong. And then there's Barabbas, and Barabbas is a murderer. He has taken human life, and he's an instigator, and he's, he's just this crazy guy, and he's like, who do you want me to release? Jesus, who I don't think has done anything wrong, or Barabbas, and they're like, Barabbas, and who's, who's the chant? Who's this big crowd? It's all the religious and spiritual people, and they're saying, free, free the murderer, free the murderer, crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus, and so let me take you to a point at the very end here where Jesus takes his last breath. I'll read out of my Bible in Luke. It's not on your notes right now, but uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 46. Jesus called out aloud, or called out with a loud voice. And he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last He died. Dead, dead. They made sure they, had a, they ran a spear through his side. He was dead. He was nailed to a cross, physically nailed to a cross, and he died on that cross. And then uh, Matthew 27, be on your notes on the screen here, it says, and behold, so this is what happened right after that. So he breathes his last breath, and here's what happens. It says, behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split. Cool. So, like, okay, there's an earthquake just happened to be at the same time that Jesus took his last breath and this curtain, little curtain got torn. Time out, important detail here. This is what changes everything for you and I. This changes everything. So let's talk about this curtain. This curtain is 20 feet wide-ish and 60 feet tall-ish and four inches thick, like the, the thickness of a man's hand. And behind this curtain, is the, is, it's in the temple, and God resides in this place behind this curtain. So in order to have access and have connection and relationship with God, he's in this box curtain thing right here. And a couple times a year, the high priest, the most spiritual person, gets a nice little rope tied around his leg, and gets to go into the temple or where, where God is. And if things haven't gone well, you're going to get drug out and you'll be dead. So God is this, he's, he's, you got to have the right sacrifices. You got to have, there's this great big separation and you're not doing it right. And this curtain tears from top to bottom. It's not like your shower curtain you're ripping apart. It would take two, 300 priests to navigate and move this thing at all when they had to move it or make them. And so this is a big deal. God is no longer in this box. He has been unleashed into the world through the death of his son, Jesus Christ, who now resides in those who accept him. So understand the churches. I'm yelling. I'm kind of excited. I'm not, I'm not mad. I'm not mad. It's so cool. Okay. The church is not a building. This is concrete and fabric when you're not here. This room gets used like 
10% of the time. See, the church is no longer contained in a building. You don't point to the church and be like, well, that's, that's God. You would have to move that finger. You'd have to redirect it, and you'd have to go like, whoop, boom. That when you accepted the, this message that Jesus died on this cross, and he was rose again, that the Holy Spirit, he says, now indwells with inside you. You are God's representation out there. You are changing the world. How do we go from 12 to 2 billion? Somebody said something. It's one of you guys that talked. And more than 2 billion, because we've had people pass away in the last 2,000 years. But they're seeing this. They wouldn't recant their message. This isn't a fable. This isn't a nice story. This isn't about the Easter bunny and about candy and stuff. This is about that God sees you and he hears you. And now you have access to him. You can't contain God anymore. Not, it's not just for the religious elite. Let's continue on to the text. The tombs also were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and they appeared to many. Weird. When the centurion and those who were with him keeping watch over Jesus saw the earthquake and what took place, they were filled with awe and they said, truly, this was the son of God. Whoopsies. This was the son of God. See, this changes everything. It changed everything for people that were alive at this time, and it still changes everything for people who are here today and choosing to walk with God. You have access to the creator of the universe because of what Jesus did on the cross. Let's move on to Luke 24. So on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. First day of the week would be Sunday. Saturday was Sabbath. They couldn't take care of Jesus' body on Saturday because that was Sabbath. And on Friday, he was crucified. And so they had let him tomb. They got to go take care of his body. They got to do things that they do for folks that are dead. And it has to do with having a body to do something with. And so they're going to put spices and and take care of his body. These are the people that followed him. We talked about one of them last, last week. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Now, there's all kinds of cool, like amazing rumors of like, oh, somebody stole the body and somebody did this. Not likely. Do some homework on this. If you fell asleep and didn't guard, because the Jews wanted to make sure that this didn't happen, because they knew what Jesus had said too. If you're a Roman guard and you fell asleep, and a Roman guard's not one, just so you know, it's not a guard. It's a guard. It's a group of guards. If you fell asleep on your watch, guess what would happen to you? You're dead. You're dead. So this tomb, it gets rolled away, and they're like pretty shocked. Like, hey, that's a big stone because like we, they needed to keep Jesus in this box because if he rose from the dead, it would really mess up their story. And he's not there. So they found this, the, the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, where did he go? Suddenly, two men in clothes uh, that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. That would be weird. You're like in the tomb, where's Jesus? 
And in their fright, the women bowed down and put their faces to the ground because they were in front of something that was pretty awe-inspiring. And it says, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Amen. Hallelujah. Remember how he told you when he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered over to in the hands of sinners. And he must be crucified. And on the third day, be raised again. Then they're like, oh yeah. But they didn't believe it. That's why they were going to the tomb, right? But he wasn't there. He wasn't there. See, the, the hearing ear and the seeing eye, the Lord has made them both. And he made them in you to hear and to see things. And you are made in his image and he sees you and he hears you. You are really important to him. You are his plan for the next two billion who are going to learn about Jesus because they're going to encounter you and they're going to be like, so you're kind of weird. That's how they usually start. You're kind of weird. Like you have this peace. Why are you not worried about everything that's going on in the world and you're just freaking out and all these other things? Why do you, what do you have? I want what you have. Tell me about what you have. And you're prepared to give them an answer because you're walking with Jesus. So Jesus saw and heard things. Here's when I think about how he saw and heard things. I think about the very end of his, like before that last breath. So how does he hear, how did he hear people then and how is he going to hear people now? So here's a cool thing. Luke 23, let's go back. Jesus is alive now. Right before, his, right before he, he dies. This is one of the criminals who were hanged, railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. If you're such a big shot. But the other criminal, the other person rebuked him saying, do, not, do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving our due reward for our deeds. We deserve to be up on this cross. We're bad dudes. But this man, he has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, the man's hanging on the cross. He's lived a horrible life. He's, he's up there. He, he believes he should be up there. He's deathbed confession time. He's going to be dying really soon, right along with, with Jesus. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus must have heard him. In all of his pain and agony, he must have heard him. And he said, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Jesus hears you. He sees you. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're like, I'm the deathbed confession guy, Josh. If you even knew a quarter of the things I did, you'd be embarrassed I was in your building. No, I wouldn't. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're not on your deathbed, but this is your, ten- your chance to be like, okay, let's talk some more about this. What do you mean you'll be with me in heaven? What does this mean to walk with Jesus? And we'd love to talk to you about that. The next thing I wanted you to think about is about how does Jesus see you? Where does he see you at? And it reminded me of Peter. Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. The guy who walked with Jesus for three years and saw all the miracles and healed in his name and did all of these things with him. The, 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 
Peter, like the guy, the guy who we're going to talk about in Acts next week. And so he says, hey, Peter, you are going to deny me three times. I will do nothing of the sort. I would never deny you. I've walked with you for three years. I've seen you heal and do all these things. Like, I'm an awesome Christian. How could you say I would ever deny you, Jesus? Because none of us have ever denied Jesus after we became a Christian. And so he says, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny me, Peter. And Peter's like, no way. And he denies him three times because you shouldn't argue with Jesus because he, he knows. And it says in the text that um, Peter, uh, Luke twenty-two sixty-one, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. So the, 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 the crows three times, he denies him again. And, and God looks at Peter, makes visual contact with Peter. Now, how you view this says a lot about how you view God. Is he going like, Peter, told you, loser. You saw everything I did, and now look at you, denying me three times. I'm mad at you, Peter. You're out. That is not the God that I know and serve and love. What I picture in my mind is he's looking at Peter, and Peter just knows he blew it. No. No, I'm so sorry. And his eyes are broken and his heart is broken and he's like, ah. And Jesus is like, I'm still building my church on you, Peter. It's okay. You are not the first or the last person that's going to really blow it in my kingdom. And I love you and I believe in you. I see you and I hear you. And what we're going to find out is he goes back and he gets him. So what if you're a Christian and you've been walking with Jesus really well, but you would say that it's not been the greatest in the last couple of years. You would say that there's more. That's another thing I was praying about. It's like, okay, God, God, what do you want people to know? Tell them that I see them and that I actually hear them, like sitting in their seats. And also tell them that there's more. I'm like, more of what? He's like, there's more. I'm like, of what? Tell them there's more to seek. There's more to learn. There's more to be revealed in their life. That there's more... There's, there's more things out there for them because I see them and I hear them. So after uh, Jesus was crucified and he rose from the dead, Peter went back to his job because after the Savior dies on a cross in a horrible way, you got to go not talk about Jesus and you got to go back to your job. And he goes back and he's fishing. How could a disciple ever be used by his rabbi once he betrayed him? Peter was a broken man, weighed down by shame and guilt, and he blew it. I relate to Peter. See, broken people are God's specialty. He loves a broken person because when he helps you heal, he gets the glory and the credit if you're pointing it to him. It's not done by yourself. It's done by him. And so he uses a lot of broken people in this room. Amen? Only the perfect people say, no, don't say anything. No, he uses us, right? He uses us. And so John 21, 78 says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, John, you sucker, you. Uh, John was making a joke about himself. You know, the, the disciple who Jesus loved me. Uh, he said to Peter, by the way, that guy. He said, he said to Peter, uh, it is the Lord. And as soon as Peter heard him say it, 
It is the Lord. He wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped into the water and the other disciples followed him in the boat full of fish and they were not far from shore and Jesus has breakfast with Peter. And with infinite compassion, he calls Peter from a life of shame to a life of following him again. You see, God views forgiveness and restoration differently than the world does. Differently than the world does. Peter is seen. The thief on the cross is heard. And you're seen and heard. I want to finish up my sad story here. So 1994, I accept Jesus. Things are going great-ish. All of my problems are still there with me. It's 2005. I have elevated myself into a phenomenal role of being an insurance agent, which is so much better than being a telemarketer. Some of the people are insurance agents are offended in here. You can't be that offended if you're an insurance, insurance agent because you've taken some hits. Um, so it's 2005. I'm totally Mr. Church guy, right? I'm following Jesus. I'm shaking hands. and Hey, partner, how you doing? Good to see you. Good to see you. You're doing good? All right, good to see you. I'm serving at the church in Post Falls. I'm leading a life group. Our life group has exploded and branched a couple times. We're leading other life group leaders. I am like, I got it going on. Except I didn't have that thing that our awesome volunteer had anymore. What did I do with that? What did I do with that joy? And what did I do with that hope? And what did I do with that peace? I was as fake as could be. I didn't have it anymore. Did, did God take it away from me? Nah. I left it somewhere else. And I started playing around in sin. And I started playing around in the sin of deception and gambling and finances. I was going to be the next Texas Hold'em guy. I was going to be awesome. If you guys are ever looking to take money from somebody in poker, pick me. Because I'll just basically hand it to you and then we can talk about Jesus. Invite me over for your parking game. Here's my $25. Let's talk about Jesus. Because I'm going to do that anyway. And so I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. But remember the verse God said, come and follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. He had some making to do in Josh Gray. He did. I was faking it. So I truly almost lost my family. Oh yeah, but that gal that was pregnant is my wife. And we have three beautiful kids here on earth and we have four in heaven. And, and he's redeemed our story. But wait, I thought you had this peace and joy. How did you blow it again? You're a church guy. So Jesus never left me, but I secretly left him to go play around with sin. I was sitting in my own mess that I made. But what I did do right is I had some community. I had one of these things called a church. And I had an accountability group and I had a a mentor. Sometimes you call him like a, a coach or you call him a mentor or a guidance counselor. I had a pastor who was a disciple maker. And he called, I, I called him up. I'm like, you got a problem. It happens to be me. Let me tell you the story. And he's like, oh, you got a problem now. I'm going to help you walk through it. And he walked me through it, helping me save my marriage. And I remember that very next weekend. So I messed up on like a Tuesday and got to share with my wife what I had been doing and beg her for forgiveness. And I, I messed up. And I remember going to church that Sunday. I remember everything about it except for the sermon. Probably be like today for you guys. No. Uh, I remember everything about it. 
And I remember where I was sitting in Post Falls in this tiny little church of 4,000 and the front left. And I remember some of my life group folks were there and my wife was there. And I remember sitting there and there was a song that God had anointed for me that has forever changed my life. And I'm going to sing it to you right now. Just kidding. Uh, I'm going to read it to you. Because God hears you and he sees you. I'll attempt to read it to you. It's called He Knows My Name. So remember, this is broken Josh. Almost loses his family. Like, messed up dude. Fake church goer. And I hear this song. It says, I have a maker. Yes, I acknowledge that. He formed my heart. Before even time began, my life was in his hands. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls, and boy, were they fallen. And he hears me when I call. I have a father. He calls me his own. He'll never leave me. No no matter where I go. I was trying to go away from him. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and he hears when I call. Come on. I'm no different than anybody else in here. Your your God knows your name. He hears your call. Moms and dads, young kids, grandmas and grandpas, he hears your call. He knows what's going on in your life. And he chooses you to walk. He says, come walk with me. Let me transform things. Come on. We can fix this, Josh. He sees you and he hears you. I hope you hear that. He restored the thief on the cross. He restored Peter, an awesome disciple. He restores jokers like myself. I think that covers just about all of us. See, joy is not a feeling. Joy is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's incomparable joy that you could have. Even when your circumstances stink, you still get to walk with Jesus. See, your circumstances don't dictate your life anymore. Your relationship with Jesus dictates your life even more. He sees you, he hears you, and he loves you. And he's inviting you into relationship with him, no matter where you are in your walk. If you've been walking with him for 40 years and it's going great, keep walking and he has more for you. If you're not even sure, you're like, whatever, dude. Like, I'm not sure. I don't really like where my life has gotten me right now, but like, maybe I need something. I'd love to talk with you. Or if it's, you've never experienced this before, you're like, this is weird, but I'm interested. We'd love to talk with you. So we get this privilege every week. We don't just do this on Easter. We share communion every week. Ron's back there. 
Sean's over there. If you didn't get a communion, uh, go ahead and take that. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, this is not going to mean a lot to you. So just let it pass you by. But if you do, they'll get it. We have gluten-free. Just raise your hand, and Ron will get you, and Sean will get you. You can, you can move to them. But there's no better day than today to talk about this and celebrate this. We get the privilege of doing it every week because it all comes back down to this Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and accepting that in our lives. But today is your day. If it's the first time for you or it's the 500th time for you, it's your day to remember what Jesus had done on the cross and how he's changing lives. Because this is a God who sees you. This is a God who hears your call. He knows your stuff and he's willing to help you with it. So the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body. This is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Remember how much I love you. Remember how much I see you. I died on a cross for you and I rose again and you're going to talk about it thousands of years later and it's going to change the world. Let's remember him. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. Let's remember, not just on Easter Sunday. Let's remember that Jesus sees you and not in the creepy Santa way. He sees you as his kid that he loves, that he's got plans for. He hears, your, he hears your, the cries of your heart and he wants to be there with you and walk with you. So let's remember that. Father God, I just uh, thank you for this time. I ask, Lord, that you would just be with the folks that took the time to come here today and that joined us online, Lord, that you would come into their lives this week. That there would be something different. There would be something in here where they're like, ah, you saw me. Whether it's through another person, whether it's through prayer, whether it's through a word, I ask that you would just intervene in their lives today to let them know that you see them. Lord, I ask you to just intervene in their lives to let them know that you, you hear their cries. You hear their, their shouts of joy and celebration and you, you revel in that and you also hear the cries of desperation where there's no way out but you. There's no money that can fix it. There's no position or status that can fix it. There's only you that can fix it. And I ask you to just enter the hearts of the people here, Lord. We thank you and we love you. Amen. Thanks for checking out this message from Real Life. You can find out more about us by visiting liferotp.com and connecting with us on Facebook and Instagram. Until next time, have a great week.